The first reading is taken from the 11th eleventh chapter of Acts. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Here ends the first reading. We will now read responsibly Psalm number 148. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise God in the heights. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord, sun and moon. Sing praise, all you shining stars. Let them praise the name of the Lord who commanded, and they were created. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Sovereigns of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the world. Let them praise the name of the Lord, whose name only is exalted, whose splendor is over earth and heaven. The Lord has 
The second reading is taken from the 21st chapter of Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Here ends the second reading. Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 13th chapter. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the people, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Congregation may be seated. I'll invite the children down for a moment. It's true that not everything is a competition, as I was just telling to the kids. You probably couldn't hear me very well. But I did have a lot of fun in the spring fling or the, the sheep shuffle race yesterday. Um, I think it's nice to get back into the routine uh, that we had had before. Um, I know some people had said it would have been nice to have a few more vendors here and things like that. But considering it was the first time we did this in three years, I think it was really a wonderful success. And like I said um, before, you know, just what a great chance for us to be in our community and to have people come to this place um, and see our church and to meet one another and everything. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Pastor Dave, you're saying that because you didn't win. <laughs> and you're partially correct. You know, um, when, when the race started, um, I, was, I was just there kind of in the middle of the pack, and my intention was that I was going to wait to the end and pass Justin Lydacker at the very end. 
But the fact is that he was so far ahead of me that that wasn't even an option anymore. Um, but nevertheless, um, the, part, the, the thing that was, I think, the best for me, or the, the funniest moment at least, was uh, I had passed um, Drew Bratton. Did I see him here today? Is he somewhere around here? All right, he might be coming later. But I passed Drew Bratton early in the race, and then about three-quarters of the way through, when I was coming down from the cemetery, Drew started, I noticed he was right behind me. And I thought, please, Lord, let me not let my confirmation student go past me. Uh, Nick, Nick um, Stuck was already way gone. Um, and then Drew passed me at the end. Um, so, you know, you can't be first in everything. But um, it's nice to be in the middle sometimes, too. But uh, as I was running yesterday, um, there was one woman who, she's, she was not a member of the church. I was not sure who she was, um, just someone from the community, I guess. And um, very, seemed to me to be a very good runner. For the whole race, she was ahead of me, um, probably about maybe 50, 50 yards. You know, I was not right on her heels, but she was about 50 yards ahead of me. So I tried to keep pace with her. And um, I was thinking about something I read a couple years ago about the first two women to be in the Boston Marathon. And you might not know this, but up until the late 60s and early 70s, um, women were not participating in long distance running. And the reason for this was that the doctors and the conventional wisdom of the day was that it was that women were far too frail and their bodies could not handle the the stress of running 26 miles. Um, they were afraid that if a woman ran a marathon, she'd not be able to have children. Um, they even said if, if women run marathons, they'll start getting hairy chests and other <laughs> masculine things, you know. And it sounds, it sounds ridiculous now, but this is really what they believed back then. I mean, I'm not making this up. Uh, but anyhow, so back in, the, in 1966, the first woman to run in the Boston Marathon she did not officially register. Um, her name was Bobby Gibb, uh, Roberta, they called her Bobby Gibb, and literally what she did was that she hid in the bushes near the starting line, and when the race started, she just jumped into the pack, but she didn't have an official registration or a number. That wouldn't happen until the next year when a woman named Karen Switzer entered the race and at the time, this was not actually against the rules because, as I said, it was so unbelievable the idea of a woman running a marathon. There, there was actually no rule against it. But when she filled out her application, she did not write her name, Karen Switzer. She just put her initials, K.V. Switzer, on the application form. So she received her, her bib, the numbers in the mail, and in 1967, she entered the race and she ran. About two miles in, one of the organizers or officials of the race noticed there was a woman running with a number on and he literally, he was wearing like a suit and tie and he literally ran into the, the group of people and tried to restrain her and stop her from running. And there's a, if you just Google Karen Switzer Boston Marathon, you'll see a picture of it. And then her boyfriend, who is this big burly man, there's a picture of him just pushing the guy away so she could finish the race. Um, but again, not, not that long ago, not that long ago, back in the 60s when this type of thing was happening. And so I thought about that yesterday as this woman just blazed right past me <laughs> and uh, stayed ahead of me the whole, the whole race. 
I also thought a little bit about a man you might have heard of, um, especially if you watch the winter or the uh, Summer Olympics. He's the reigning um, gold medal champion in the in the marathon. A man from Kenya by the name of Eliud Kipchoge, and uh, he's considered by many to be the greatest marathon runner of all time. Um, he's also a very devout Christian. He's a very faithful Roman Catholic, um, and very much of the money that he has made from his success as a marathon runner has gone to his foundation, the Elliot Kipchoge Foundation, which goes to supporting um, school-aged children, getting them an education in Africa, and also to preserving the environment. Um, So despite being like a brand ambassador for Isuzu and other companies, he lives a very humble uh, Christian life of of service and, and discipline. So every day he runs and prays But a few years ago, um, Elliot Kipchoge did something that people thought was impossible, which is that he ran a marathon in less than two hours. I mean, people thought this is an unbreakable barrier for any human being to accomplish. And in in 2019, he ran a race in uh, Vienna, Austria. It was a little bit different rules than a regular marathon. So he was the only person running, right? So he didn't have to like jostle you know, in the crowd, um, in the field to, to get his place. And also, he, had, he didn't have to slow down to grab water off of a table. Um, he had people ride up to him on a bicycle and hand him the water as he was running. And then there was a third thing, which is that he had a group of 40 athletes that were the pacekeepers. And they would run, they would switch, take turns, a group of four of them, keeping pace so that he was on pace to break the, the two-hour mark for the marathon. I'm sure you and I could do the same thing, right, if we had the same, you know, <laughs> same, same advantage as he had. But uh, the point is, no one, no one thought this could be done. And uh, his, he, he, he broke the marathon. It was like one hour, 59 minutes, and, and 40 seconds. So, I mean, pretty, pretty amazing things. And this is a boy who grew up in rural Kenya. Um, his school was three miles away from his house. He was raised by a single mother uh, who was a teacher, and his school was three miles away, so every day he had no way of getting there. So he would run to school in the morning, and when school was over, he would run home. Um, and now here he is, one of the greatest athletes ever, and as I said, a very faithful Christian. So why do I mention uh, these stories, aside from um, they make me feel better about not winning the race yesterday? <laughs> I think in both of these stories, the seemingly impossible was overcome right? Things happened that people thought were not possible, right? People used to think it was not possible for a woman to run a marathon. And until relatively recently, we thought it was not possible for any person to run a marathon in less than two hours. And certainly, um, I believe that's the story of faith and the story of our, our Christian tradition, that God makes the impossible possible. And God does things that no human thought could be done, right? In this first story we heard from the book of Acts, the early church, they thought it would be, they thought no Gentile could receive the word of God, right? Those unclean, uncircumcised, heathen Gentiles. And the church was angry with St. Peter that he shared a meal uh, with with these heathen Gentiles. He then explains to him about this vision he has 
uh, with all the animals that come down uh, from heaven, and God commands him to, to eat these different kinds of unclean animals. And sort of the interpretation of this story is not only does God declare the animals to be clean, but now God has made all people to be clean, right? There's no distinctions between Jew or Gentile, um, slave or free, um, you know, male or female, because all are made one and all are made new in Christ. So in this first story, um, we see how the church, in, from just the very beginning, is taught to carry out a mission of bringing all people to know salvation through God. And so the reason I mention this is that I think also because I think faith is a little bit like running a race, right? Our Christian, our Christian faith, I think, is a little bit like running a race. And, um, and what I mean is this, is that yesterday uh, during this 5K, um, it, was, it was hot, um, it was very humid, there are a lot of hills. Uh, you might not know how hilly Liverpool is, but running up the cemetery and running around, it's pretty hilly. And I'm only speaking for myself here, but there was quite a few times I wanted to quit and just walk the rest of the way, right? Especially once I realized Justin was long gone and I just wanted to quit, you know? <laughs> but I wanted to quit and give up, but we had people along the way. We had, we had Kelly Lesh and we had Inez and we had Ken Toner and uh, we even had Brian Wetzel there. Uh, we had all these people uh, pointing us in the right way and cheering us as we, were, as we were, you know, running along. And I thought, what a good example of what the church really is. The people who encourage us and love us and support us. When life gets hard, you know, when we feel like giving up, when we feel like just throwing in the towel and not even trying to bother to make it across the finish line. That's what our Christian brothers and sisters do. Um, they celebrate when we celebrate. And certainly when we, people were crossing the line yesterday, there was all kinds of cheering and, and high fives. And so here in the church, when people have something good in their life, we celebrate with them. When people are mourning or grieving, we grieve with them. And that's, that's really what the church is for. Um, I also thought yesterday um, about how you know, like, as I've said to my confirmation students many times, um, that if you're a runner or you're some other kind of athlete, it's not something you can just do once or twice a year and expect to get a lot out of it, right? There's some people who, they call themselves Christians, and I'm sure they believe in Jesus, but they probably go to church once a year, probably haven't ever read their Bible um, since they were in Sunday school, right, don't volunteer at all. And I'm not saying they're bad people, but the fact is they're probably not really getting much out of it. If you only go to the gym once a year, if you only, you know, if you only volunteer once a year, you're probably not getting a lot out of it. Um, and you would probably be surprised if, you, if people referred to you as a runner if you only, if you only ran once a year. So I think like uh, Eliot Kipchoge, who runs all the time, but as much as he runs, he also prays and spends time nurturing his faith. So I'm not saying this to give people the guilt trip or anything like that, but um, we, get out, we get out of it what we put into it. And so brothers and sisters, um, I just want to leave it here with this, um, which is that just this past week, um, 
I read an interesting article about the Southern Baptist Convention, which is one of the largest you know, denominations in the country. And they, they released a study that um, since the pandemic, their attendance can, is down by 15 to 20% you know, across, across the board. And so right now, um, every church is dealing with this, right? Um, we are still in this time and we are trying to figure out how to sort of not only get back to normal, but also looking to the future about where God is leading us. Um, in the book of Revelation, we heard this passage that I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I know we all are hoping that uh, the pandemic is behind us. Um, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed that we are, we are through um, the worst of that. But the question now is where, 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 does, where do we begin from here? You know, how do we reach out to the people who might not know the word? Um, in, in the book of Acts, it was the Gentile believers. Um, who are those people today that we might not think of, um, that we might think of as not perhaps the type of people that would come to church on a regular basis? How can we follow Peter's example and meet them where they are and reach out to them so they can be a part of the body of Christ? And the last thing is this. Um, today, the reading that we heard from the gospel, this is often the reading that we hear on Monday, Thursday. This comes right after Jesus washes his disciples' feet when he gives them this new commandment that they should love one another as he has loved them. And it's a simple reminder, right? As I told the kids, it's not all about, life is not always about competing. Um, and we're not in a competition with anybody to be the number one church um, in the Synod, the number one church in Perry County, the number one church in Pennsylvania. Um, if, if, if we are doing things for the reason other than loving one another, as Christ has loved us, then it's time to consider if we're here for the right reasons um, and to ask that God inspire us that everything we do will be for his love and through his love. So brothers and sisters, I wish you a very joyous and blessed week, and may God be with you all. Amen.